Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to season nine of the Islamic History Podcast. This season, we are continuing our discussion on the Mughal Empire. Now, this episode is mostly just to explain what we'll be covering throughout this season and also recapping what we discussed in the previous season. Now, if you haven't yet, I strongly suggest you go listen to season eight before coming into season nine. But if you want to hop right in, don't worry, I'm going to do a brief recap of season eight for you right now. Now, season eight was divided into three parts. Part one was the Mongol conquest under starting with Genghis Khan. Part two was Tamerlane. And part three was the Mughal Empire in India from Babur to roughly three quarters through Akbar's reign. And we began the season with the story of the Mongols because the Mongols were the ancestors of the Mughals of India. The Mughals of India were actually descendants of Genghis Khan, Timur, and the Mongols. Episode 1 of Season 8 introduced Genghis Khan in his life story. We talked about his origins and then his rise to power, how he united the various Mongol clans under his authority, and then he began the invasion of China. We then went on to discuss how the Mongols went on to conquer much of the Muslim world, including the brutal invasion of Baghdad. We also talked about the Mongol invasion of Europe, and by season four, we were starting to talk about how the Mongol Empire was beginning to break up. The Mongol Empire wound up breaking up into four large khanates, and each one of them were like a small empire. Then we discussed Tamerlane, or Timur the Lame. Even though he mostly fought against Muslims, Timur was actually himself a Muslim. Now, he was a Mongol, but he was not directly related to Genghis Khan. However, he married a woman who was a descendant of Genghis Khan. And we also mentioned Timur's invasion of India and the brutal sacking of the Delhi Sultanate. By episode 6, we began to talk about the Mughals themselves, particularly the life of Babur. We discussed Babur's struggle to make a name for himself in Central Asia and his many many failed attempts to conquer Samarkand. Now, eventually, Babur receives help from the Persians and help from the Ottomans, and this gives him access to modern weapons like matchlock rifles and cannons, and eventually leads to the Battle of Panipat. At the Battle of Panipat, he defeated the Lodi family of the Delhi Sultanate, and this actually marked the beginning of the Mughal Empire. Babur continues to expand. He goes south, coming into contact with the Rajputs, and he mostly has to deal with lots of small Afghan rulers across North India. Many of these Afghan rulers were still loyal to the Lodi family of Delhi, and we finally come to the end of Babur's life and the passing on of his reign to Humayun. So we begin discussing Humayun's reign as the emperor of the Mughal Empire in episode 11, but Humayun is having lots of problems. He's having problems with the Afghans as well as his own brothers. And we also spoke about how the Portuguese arrive in India as some of the first Europeans to establish trading colonies. And we spoke about how the Portuguese set up various trading ports in Gujarat. 
Humayun eventually loses his empire. He, he loses it to the Sur dynasty, and he flees with his family to Persia, where he receives help from the Safavids. Humayun uses this help from the Safavids to recapture Kandahar and Kabul, and eventually recaptures Delhi as well. However, Humayun dies shortly after taking uh, Delhi, and the empire passes on to his son Akbar. Akbar is only 15 years old when he becomes the emperor, but he goes on to recapture much, much of the territory that his father had lost before him. By episode 14, we begin to discuss how Akbar is coming into his own as an emperor. He breaks free from his, his handlers and he becomes more of an independent ruler. He continues to fight the Afghans and he also has to deal with the Rajputs. And he deals with the Rajputs in various manners. Some of them he marries and that turns them into allies. And he also tries to bring them into his fold by abolishing the, the jizya, which of course is the tax on non-Muslims living under in a Muslim state. Now, many of the Rajputs, even though they did ally with Akbar through marriage or, or uh, negotiations or other things like that, there were many who did not want to submit peacefully to Akbar, and those Rajputs he went to war with. So Akbar goes on to conquer Bengal and Gujarat. Now, it is in Gujarat where Akbar first comes into contact with the Portuguese and he is introduced to Christianity. And from that point on, Akbar's religious views begin to change. And we see Akbar's uh, views on religion changing to the point where he goes so far as to create his own religion. And that was our final episode of the previous season, season eight, when Akbar created a new religion called Dini Lahi, and he has to suppress revolts in Bengal from his Muslim subjects who didn't want to live under him in his new religion. So that was where he left off with uh, season eight, mostly talking about Akbar suppressing the revolts in Bengal. So we were almost through with Akbar's reign, roughly three quarters of the way through when, when we wrapped up in season eight. And we're going to pick up in this season, season nine, in the year 1599. So just to give you an understanding of what to expect during this season of the Islamic History Podcast, first and foremost, of course, we're going to complete Akbar's reign, and we're going to go from Akbar to um, his son Jahangir and go all the way through to 1719 when Farouk Siyar comes to power. Now, during this season, season nine, you'll, you're going to witness the Mughal Empire rise to the height of its power, mostly under Akbar and Jahangir. But then we're also going to look at the growing presence of the English in India and their steady increase in power. And then we're going to start seeing the Mughal Empire begin to crumble and how it cannibalizes itself with this fratricidal wars. And then we're going to talk about the non-Muslim powers the Mughals have to deal with. For instance, the Marathas, the Rajputs, and the Sikhs of Punjab. And by the time we end this season, the Mughal emperor will have become a puppet. It goes from someone as powerful and as independent as Akbar to Farooq Siyar, who is pretty much a puppet. 
Now, even though I tend to follow a great man of history methodology with this podcast, we are going to talk about some very remarkable Mughal women as we go through the story. Some some are devious and some are, are pretty great, but Mughal women or women within the Mughal dynasty play a, a very important role in this story. Now, just so you understand, the great man of history theory, it was developed developed by a man named uh, Thomas Carlyle, and he basically says that the history of the world is but the biography of great men. Now, there are some people who disagree with this, not the whether it's a man or a woman, not that, but it's just that some people believe that teaching history from the viewpoint of a leader or a king or some remarkable individual is not the way to teach history. Me, however, I find it easier to tell this very complex story. This is a very complex story. The Mughal Empire is, there's so much that I had to leave out that I just couldn't go into. And every time I read, I find out more. It's just very difficult to go through the story in an organized fashion unless we focus it around the lives of the, the men who ran the show and the people within their orbit. That is, the Mughal Emperors. So that's going to wrap things up for today, inshallah. Next week begins Season 9 of the Islamic History Podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. But until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.